What a blessed morning we have to gather together in a moment like this. I don't know about you, but as we draw through these long months together of separation, right now we find ourselves at a high point where we are experiencing not only the joy and the anticipation of the holiday, but I personally know of more people in the hospital and people who are isolated and sick now than ever since the beginning of the pandemic has started. And so I hope that as we begin this message today, that for you, for your family, that you are staying safe and that you are experiencing the supernatural presence of the living God wherever it is that you are. I want to begin today's message by talking about something fairly ridiculous. A uh, sports writer by the name of Rick Riley, who went on a very strange quest to find the most bizarre of all of the sporting events and contests that he could find. And by far and away, the strangest one that he encountered was this one. It is known as the Sauna World Championship. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about a sauna, I think about being on vacation and you're trying to relax, but it's not that kind of sauna. This takes place up in Finland and it is not for the faint of heart. They turn it up to 260 degrees Fahrenheit. And some of the winners of the contest can stay in that environment, 100% humidity at 260 degrees for over 10 minutes. Now, of course, for us in the South, we just refer to that as a lazy August afternoon in the Atlanta area. But in actuality, that is some significant heat. There's some reason I'm not showing you some photos right now, even though they're out there, because basically this is grown men stripping down to their birthday suits, getting into a room that is blazing hot like a furnace, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and trying to see how long they can stay in the midst of that blaze. Well, Rick Riley decided that he wasn't just going to chronicle these strange sports, but that he was also going to actually experiment with them and try them. And so he actually went to the World Sauna Championships and decided that he was going to enter into it. And this is the way that he describes it. He says, the tips of your ears start to ignite. The backs of your arms scream. Your throat feels like somebody stuck a tiki torch down it. Your lips are bitten by large unseen raccoons. And you vow to move to Alaska. And you haven't even reached 30 seconds yet. Rick Riley didn't last very long in that sauna. I know that I wouldn't have as well. But the question I think we do need to respond to is, how do you and I handle when the heat of our lives turns up really high? How do you make it? How do you persist? How do you endure? That's what we're going to be looking at today as we come to the conclusion in our Advent series. We've been looking at some of the best supporting actors. We've been looking at some of the unsung heroes of the Christmas story from chapters of one and two of the Gospel of Luke. And we've been looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna. And we've been discovering some incredible gifts and disciplines that they have been walking through. We've discovered the gift of silence and of hospitality. Last week, we looked at Simeon with availability, being available by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're going to talk about a gritty, remarkable senior adult of a woman, a woman by the name of Anna. This is by far and away the shortest amount of information that we have in regards to any of these characters. 
So I'm going to read to you the entirety of what we know from the Bible about the character of Anna. It was also a prophet, Anna, daughter of Penuel and the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, this is Mary and Joseph and the child, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's it. That's all that we know about her. And it certainly isn't very much that there is this woman who gets married seven years after she's married. She lives till she's 84 years old. Think of that, you know, an average age of somebody getting married in that day and age would have been around 15. So she's like 22 and then she lives to 84 and the rest of that that she's on her own. And what you need to know in the ancient world is that if you were a widow, you were probably one of the most vulnerable of society. And what we discover about her is that she goes to the temple every single day, waiting, longing, fasting, praying, and that she doesn't give up on the promises of God, that the Messiah will truly come. So what do we know about this woman? We don't know much. We know three things. We know her name, we know her family name, and we know her tribe. And yet at the intersection of all three of these things, we actually discover one of the great secrets of what it means to endure. And so let's talk about first, uh, let's talk about her name. Her name is Anna, which in the Hebrew form is Hannah, which means grace or favor. And Hannah is a particular person in the Old Testament, another woman who experiences a miraculous birth for the birth of Samuel, whom she dedicates to the Lord, who becomes a mighty prophet. And so what we discover about Hannah, in other words, in Greek, Anna, is that she is a person of immense grace. I want to show you the picture of a woman by the name of Sister Madonna. No, this is not the Madonna that's the pop singer that we might all know. This is Sister Madonna Buder. And Sister Madonna Buder is someone who was going to give a speech that a friend of mine was at that was kind of a kickoff event to a triathlon. Now, you might imagine that if a priest, a pastor, or a nun is invited to kind of be a part of some ceremony before an Ironman challenge, that they're there just kind of to give a traditional nod of an invocation. But that's not why Sister Madonna had been invited to this particular speech. She was nearly 90 years old, and let me show you what she looked like when she's in her 80s. Because Sister Madonna, who's often known as the Iron Nun, holds world records for many of the categories of people her age. And so she was giving a speech as an inspiration to the people who were getting ready to run the race, to swim and to bike and to run those incredible distances and that they were gonna go through grueling conditions in order to do so. And the amazing thing my friend said about her speech when she said it was that she said this. She said, tomorrow, when things get tough out there, remember, you were loved into existence. 
If you get discouraged and want to quit, if you get injured and can't finish, if things don't go the way that you hope and even thought you have trained for this day for months or even years, even then remember you were loved into existence. One of the things that the iron nun knows so well, as well as Anna in the New Testament, is that there is an incredible direct connection between grit and grace. When you know that you were unconditionally loved, when you know that God's favor, God's pleasure, God's blessing is upon you regardless of the outcome, no matter whether you succeed or whether you fail, you can endure and persevere in all kinds of different ways if you know that you have the grace and the favor of Almighty God. So what we know first about Anna is we know her name and that she's a woman of grace. The second thing that we know about Anna is that we know her family name. In other words, we know kind of her heritage of her family. And it comes from this word, which is penuel or penile. And that translates from the Old Testament as face of God. And you might think of, oh, that's really neat. It means that kind of we have this direct relationship, this face-to-face relationship with God. But the connection is far deeper than that. I want to actually show you an image, Abbock River, today. And it's the famous scene of Jacob, whose name is about to turn into Israel, where he wrestles with God all night long and will not let God go. And God actually changes, changes Jacob's name into Israel, which means someone who has striven with God. In other words, and then Jacob names the place Penuel or Peniel. In other words, this place is about being with God, but wrestling with God such to the point with such tenacity that you will not let God go, that you're hanging in there and that you are praying and wrestling with the Almighty. Some people think that the primary image of a person of faith is kind of a sweet resignation. You need to know that they were called the children of Israel that Israel was known as kind of the name. They're, they're not so much defined by Abraham or by so many of the other patriarchs. It's Israel. It's that moment that God's people have wrestled with God. And that, in the midst of the wrestling, is where we find out what we're really made of. I'll show you a picture of a wonderful author, a woman by the name of Rebecca Manley Pippard. She's written a couple of books in the Christian realm, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World, and one of my favorites of hers that's called Hope Has Its Reasons. And in that book, Hope Has Its Reasons, she describes when she was on a speaking tour and she ended up at staying at someone's home. We'll call that woman's name Catherine. And she's staying at Catherine's home, and while she's there, she is asking Catherine how she came to faith. Turns out that Catherine had kind of a nominal Christian background and had every material possession that she could ever want. And that she was kind of coasting through life and yet she grew more and more discontented. She knew that there had to be more than just the comfort and the ease of her existence. 
for the longest time, she had this housekeeper by the name of Ruby. And Ruby was the kind of person who would sing even when she was cleaning the floors. And so eventually, one day, after all these years and when the spirit was right, Catherine asked Ruby what the secret of her joy was. And Ruby talked about her faith. Over a series of conversations and and prayers, Catherine decided to dedicate her life to God and she gave her life to Jesus Christ and she surrendered to him as Lord and Savior. It was about six months after that moment that Catherine's daughter started having significant challenges. She was arrested for stealing something and she was struggling with drugs. Catherine was absolutely distraught and beside herself because of the struggles of her daughter. She came to Ruby at the end of her rope in desperation and said, I don't know what to do. I I feel like I'm about to lose my daughter. And Ruby looked at her and said, dear friend, Jesus has died for your daughter. There's no reason for you to die too. And Catherine was saying, what? And Ruby said, we must pray for her. And Catherine almost dismissively said, I've been praying for her. And Ruby said, how long have you been praying for her? And Catherine said, I've been praying for her almost six months. Ruby began to laugh and said, how long have I been working for you? Catherine said, 10 years. And Ruby said, I've been on your floors, on my knees, praying for you for nine years and six months. And never once did you hear me complain or give up. You cannot rush Jesus, child, Ruby said. We need to pray for your daughter. Catherine continued to say, exasperated, I've tried. I've, I've done as much as I can. And Ruby once again laughed and said, you call that piddly little thing that you do called prayer? She grabbed a Bible even though she couldn't read. She opened the Bible and she began to march around Catherine's elaborate living room filled by Baccarat crystal and fine china and trinkets from all collectibles from all over the world. And she began to, even though she couldn't read the words, to spout out scripture, pouring out her heart before God. Talking about God as her shelter, her strength, her comfort, her father, her healer. Pouring out these praises and interceding before God. It was in that moment that Catherine understood what real persistence, real sweat, real prayer actually looked like. My friends, we are defined not by the responsiveness of our prayers, but by the tenacity of our prayers. As Mark Batterson says, it's not so much about praying for something, but praying through it. What do we know about this woman? We know her name, that she's a woman of grace. We know her family name, that she strives, she wrestles with God every single day, but doesn't give up. And thirdly, we know her tribe. We know the particular part of the larger part of Israel's family that she comes from. So there's Jacob and his sons, there's Israel and his children. And she comes from that eighth son out of the 12 tribes of Israel that's known as Asher, which means joyful or happy. 
I think what's absolutely amazing about Anna is that even in a condition where a lot of people would become bitter and jaded and not only give up, but at least they would become soured and they would become the kind of person who grits and holds on but has lost her joy. That's not true for Anna. She gives thanks, the scripture said. She praises God every day. It's not just about the fasting and the praying and the the holding on tight. It's also about the joy of the Lord. When I was the newly ordained pastor in my last context in Southern California, there was a fellow pastor, an associate pastor that had been there for decades. And not too long after I had been there, he had a resurgence in his cancer and they discovered fairly quickly that it was inoperable and that there was nothing that could be done. There was no treatment. There was no plan. It was just a matter of time. After the diagnosis, I went to go sit with him and to pray with him in his home. I remember coming into his living room when he was in the chair and coming in and kind of bracing myself for the dark cloud of the unknown, the uncertainty and the sadness of this debilitating diagnosis and prognosis. And yet when I came in, he embraced me, had a huge smile on his face. His name was Bill Flanagan. And he said to me, Rich, you know what? It's not so much the death that I'm afraid of. It's the dying part that I could do without. He never lost his sense of humor and his joy. He asked me more questions than I asked him. And he radiated with the joy of the Lord, even in the midst of what he knew were his final weeks. We're told in the Old Testament that the joy of the Lord can be our strength. We're told that God can make sure that no matter what our circumstances are, that joy is always an option. And so in summary, what do we know about this woman named Hannah, this senior adult who never gave up? We know that it's all about grace. We know that we find God in the struggle. And we know that joy is always an option. You and I have a choice. And because of what we know in Jesus Christ, the one that Anna so longed for, that the hopes and the fears of all the years were met in this child, and that because of this child, the waiting, the longing, the fighting, the praying, it's all leading somewhere. We call this season Advent because it's about a coming, an arrival, an anticipation of Jesus Christ being born in this world and in our very hearts. You know, later when Jesus was all grown up, he told a story, one of his parables, about an elderly woman who was a widow who kept badgering a judge who would not give her justice. And because of her persistence, she wore that unjust judge down. At the end of that parable, Jesus says these famous words. He says, And when the Son of Man returns, will he find this kind of faith on earth? As we long for Jesus' coming today, I can't help but think of 
Jesus may have been told the stories when he was a child of Anna, who had celebrated when he showed up at the temple. Anna didn't miss the coming of the Lord because she was in that temple every single day. That even though that she had been a widow for all of those decades and probably had to scrape by in her existence, she never lost her joy. She never lost her fight. And she always knew that she was a child of grace, no matter what. I don't know how you need to endure today, how you need to persevere or persist. But here's what I do know. I know that we live in very trying times and that there might be a way that God today needs to speak to you to provide you the spirit of Anna as you learn and lean into what is to come. And so in an unusual closing prayer today, instead of me closing with my words before God on your behalf, we're going to put some scriptures up on the screen. And we're going to allow you to just meditate on these short scriptures in anticipation of the coming and the holiness of God.